For the Lord, I have spoken. Starting a series today that God is big enough. When you preach a series like this, it's exciting. And what is passionate in my heart today, that the subject of the series is God. But it's also the challenge of the series. Because how do you give it the kind of honor it's worthy to receive? Where do you begin when the subject is God? One person said, and I quote, In order for life to be meaningful, something must be big enough to warrant our commitment and our affections. The only thing that fits the qualification of that quote is God himself. Knowing God, not only as we know God do we discover the grace and the power for life, but we also realize who we are. This knowledge leads to a transformed life. So many ways being offered to find some sense of eternal destiny, some some attachment of philosophy to who we are, why we are, and where we're going. I want to raise before you and then us as a church family to raise to this community that the God of Scripture is the God we're talking about, that He is the God of gods, that He is the King of kings, that He is the Lord of lords, and we're passionate for people to know Him. Now, the the study we make is not just a discourse in the attributes of God that in any way would bog us down. There are big words, and they have like three syllables and nine letters, but they don't bog us down. They they lead to the awesomeness of God, to an understanding of just who He is. You see, the greatness of God is not presented in Scripture as theological tenets unrelated to the reality of life. See, we learn about the character of God. It is determined in the context of joy and pain. It is discovered in the context of birth and death, grace and truth, love and hate. We're going to learn about the law of God from a murderer named Moses. The worship of God from an adulterer named David. The sovereignty of God from a sufferer named Job. Yes, these Incredible, repentant people show us the power and the nature, character of God relevant to everyday life. This is not a series just to raise our awareness, give more information, or even create an experience where we say we feel God. Because I've gone to church enough to know we can raise that awareness, give the information, And have an experience and yet not be changed. When we declare that God is big enough, we are declaring that he is big enough to change us. He is big enough to make the difference in the way that we think. In the way that we live. Matter of fact, may it be said that as we study God, that we're finding his thoughts becoming our thoughts. His heart becoming our heart. His ways becoming our ways. May it be said that even the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth are acceptable to Him and influencing people around us. When we declare that God is big enough, 
We'll get to the result. Big enough to forgive, heal, deliver. Big enough to make a marriage work and give wisdom for parents. Big enough to help us figure out employment challenges and uncertain times. Yes, the result is there. But we don't start with the result. We start with God. We start with the fact that he is incredible. He's magnificent. He's all-powerful. And as we get to know him, then we find what it takes to step up to the real challenges of the real world. See, we want to have the right target. This guy went and visited a farmer, and he found that right on the side of his barn, he had just taken his gun and shot holes right through the barn, and he was hitting the bullseye every time the target was, was painted right on the barn. The farmer had hit the bullseye every time, and the guests to the farm said, you are an incredible shot. You must know a lot about shooting. The farmer said, actually, I know very little, practically nothing about shooting. And the guest said, well, I, I don't understand that because you hit the bullseye every time. He said, you don't understand. I just shoot holes in the barn, and then I draw the target." Here's what Jeremiah is saying. Be careful or else we will pursue riches and once we attain riches, then we'll draw the meaning of life around that pursuit. We'll pursue status, position, and title and once we attain that, then we will draw a circle around it and try to define the meaning of life from it. We'll go after success and once we attain any level of it, we will try to define life by drawing the target around it. Jeremiah says, no, here's the target that we would know God. Because then God is big enough to help us to be on the right pursuit and to manage the blessing of the pursuit. Oh, God is big enough. A right target, a right focus. A right focus where we would know that He deserves our praise. He is Worthy of all that we are. Jeremiah says, if we're going to boast, let us boast that he is rubbing off on us. That we are being transformed by him. That our knowledge of him is not just at the academic level. Some clinical examination of the attributes of God. No, but in the pursuit of God learning more and more about God, it is resulting in a heart that is transformed. And then I find that God is big enough to change my life. The woodpecker had pecked away and, you know, finally then turns and flies off and then suddenly lightning strikes, hit, hits the tree, splits it down the middle, the tree falls, the woodpecker hearing the noise turns around and says, look what I did. In this series, we'll meet up with a guy who I call a spiritual woodpecker, his name Nebuchadnezzar, who steps out and says, look at this Babylon that I created. One of the cultural challenges is, is that we not be moved into thinking, look at my home, look at my job, look at my talent, but know that we realize that all we 
are and all we have. It comes from God. Air courses through my lungs today because God has determined that I could breathe. God has raised the sun in the sky. We are here. We have what we have. We are able to do what we do because God has created us. God is good. God is maker. God is Lord. I have done nothing apart from his power, his information given that then incites wisdom. If you have a skill set, it's God that gave you the mind that then could learn, that could develop that skill set where you could have a specialty, where you could be a professional. It all goes back to God, the right target, the right focus so that we can say to this community, God is big enough. Track with me today in this focus, Daniel said, and I love it. The people who know their God, they'll be strong and do great exploits. The New American Standard says, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Amplified says, but the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong. I love that. And shall stand firm and do exploits. Daniel lived in this Nebuchadnezzar world. And yet you see him taking the right steps. You see him influencing and impacting people and the culture. Oh, that through this, we could pray, God, would you raise up some Daniels in this Nebuchadnezzar world? Could you show us as you showed him that you are God, that you are king, that you are in control? If we will honor you and seek your face, you will then empower us. We can then take the right steps and we can impact change. You see, it's not enough to just boast that God is able, that God is willing, that God is enough in this room. What I'm saying to you is that the culture in which we live needs to know that he is God and he's big enough to make their life work, to uncomplicate their life one miracle after another. And those who know him will be strong, be resolute, take the right steps, and then impact with influence those who are around us. Mm. The right focus, the right heart, the right target, a well-centered life. See what Second Peter teaches us, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him. All goes back to the knowledge of God. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Peter says the knowledge of God will give us grace, peace, and power. A grace life. A peaceful life. A life empowered. How do I communicate to someone who doesn't know the Lord that God is big enough? By so knowing him myself that I'm living the grace life. That that grace capacity is like a river flowing through me to others in acts of kindness, compassion, and ministry. That in this time of uncertainty, I have a peace that surpasses Daily news. I have a peace that surpasses understanding. 
that as I live, there's an empowerment. See, I, I believe the two challenges that I have for us today, what's stirring in my heart is that we need to create an appetite for this awesome God in our community. Have you ever had the experience of going to the mall? You were on a pursuit and it wasn't for food. But when you went in the mall, you, you used the entrance that had you to walk right by the cafe court. And there were those who were making food. Now you went to the mall, but not for food. But when you came by the cafe court, it created an appetite to where you ended up buying something to eat. You ended up getting something, but you didn't go there for the food. But you ate because somebody created an appetite in you. There were those who were doing what they do. And by doing what they do, they created an appetite that wasn't there. There was an appetite, but it wasn't for food. You went to the mall because you wanted something. Jeremiah says people are on all kinds of pursuits. But where we come in as the people of God is to nurture, create an appetite so that people who are pursuing that which will meet the need will find that it is Jesus. They can seek riches. They can seek more education. They can seek status or title and still be on a pursuit because those things cannot meet the spiritual need in the heart. But if we are there, Lifting, creating, nurturing an appetite for the things of God. Then they will taste and see that the Lord, He is good. They will find that which really meets the need of the heart. You see, God is big enough to heal a marriage. To give wisdom for parenting. To give wisdom as you deal with uncertain times. God is God. God is who we need, what we need. And we as the local church have to nurture that appetite until this community knows that God is big enough. That is my desire. That is my heart. That we would nurture just that kind of appetite. And as we do, it will lead people to that very real place of acceptance. Let me summarize and make a closing challenge to us. This whole idea of knowing God having the privilege to freely pursue him until, as Tozer says, he overwhelms us, overtakes us, and even surprises us. Until we find that as we pursue God, as we seek more of him, we receive what we need for the challenges of life. That we don't preach a gospel that just makes people more moral, but it literally brings them out of darkness to light. That we preach a gospel that doesn't just help us have a better attitude, but helps us to be snatched from spiritual death to spiritual life. There is a very real application to having the right attitude and having the right thoughts. There's a very real application of knowing how to forgive those who've hurt us. How to reconcile the issues of the past. 
how to have the shame lifted off of our life. But I don't want to preach the result to where we're just more moral or have a better attitude, but that we are being overwhelmed by the power and grace of God. And that we would be on such a passionate pursuit of God that there would be such a nurtured atmosphere for more of Jesus when we meet and when we go. So that we don't just raise awareness or give information and create experiences, but in the awareness, in the truth preached, in the sense of God's presence in this room, that the result is we are being transformed. And then when people see that you're living the grace life, that you have peace in your life, you have an empowerment about you that allows you to navigate with a sense of victory. Then they want what you have and you're able to say, it is God. God is big enough. And then it comes to acceptance. Nurturing that appetite and then a person has the opportunity to accept. Imagine a person who is a lawbreaker. She stands before the judge's desk and the judge announces... The fine. And if she can't pay the fine, she spends the weekend in jail. The lady has no money to pay the fine. The judge brings down the gavel, declares her guilty, and says, you will spend the weekend in jail. The lady cries. She pleads for mercy. She says, I don't have the money to pay, but please, please forgive me. Please give me another chance. Finally, the judge does something he's never done before. He gets up, takes off the judge's robe, walks around in front of the judge's desk, right beside the lady, reaches in and pulls out his wallet. It's the money equal to the fine, gives it to the bailiff. Then he walks back behind his desk, reaches for his judge's robe, puts it back on, sits down, and says, seeing that someone else was willing to pay the price. Seeing that someone else was willing to pay the penalty, I therefore declare that you are not guilty and that this case is closed. God stood at the judge's desk. We were lawbreakers and we didn't have what it took to pay the fine. And so God himself steps back and unzips the robe of deity and power and out of his love sends forth his own son and Jesus becomes one of us, fully God and yet fully man, ultimately stands beside us and pays the price by becoming the price, by dying on the cross, being placed in the tomb. And on Friday, he rose, on Sunday, he rose again so that the work of the cross would be complete, covering the laws we've broken past, present, and future. So that once and for all, we could be declared not guilty. And then, uh, some days later, he ascends, and God is back there in that place of royalty, and the gavel comes down, and God declares that seeing that someone else has paid the price because of the merits of another, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For we have been made free 
For the law of grace has set us free from the law of sin and death. And the case is closed and we can walk free if we accept this gift. Now, I know of people that have been pardoned. You can read it in history. People who have received presidential pardons, but they refuse to accept them. They were on death row. And they were pardoned, but they refused to accept it. Our desire in this series, and even today, is that we could so lift the love, power, and presence of God that we could so lift the story of God, the redemptive story, that it would nurture an appetite. People who are pursuing things, but not God, would come across your life like the cafe court and suddenly realize there's a fragrance to the life of the believer that leads to the table prepared before them by the grace of God. And if they will taste and see, it will fill that need. If they will accept what is offered to them by way of the cross, they will find that God is big enough to forgive them, to remove the shame and the guilt, to settle in their heart that one day they'll spend eternity in heaven and that God has a purpose for them, a very real and full purpose. That is our opportunity if we're willing to accept. I challenge you, those of you who know Jesus, nurture that appetite for the things of God until this community, until this region will know that God is enough. And I pray if you've never accepted Jesus, that right in this room today, you would open your heart and you would accept Christ as your personal Savior. The price has been paid for you. And all you have to do is accept it. You can be declared free from your sin. Free from the guilt of the past. Free to move forward. Free to be who God created you to be. Free to laugh and free to cry. Free. By the price paid at the cross by Jesus Christ. If your marriage isn't working, your family's out of control, you face a lot of unrest, emptiness, there's a lack of meaning to your life, you're busy, you've pursued answers, it was like grabbing the wind, as soon as you opened your hand, it was empty, vanity. Today I present to you the God of gods, Jesus Christ, who loved you so much that he lived, died, and rose again so that he could give you grace, peace, and power. This God so awesome that he could set a target so that you would know if you'll pursue him, you will find him. And when you find him, you will say he's more than enough. Like David, you'll find him to be a refuge. You'll find him to be a hiding place. You'll find him to be like a rock. You'll find all of these applications in your everyday life. It starts with just accepting. Realizing that he's God. 
Would you close your eyes in the presence of the Lord? If you'd say, today I need to accept Jesus. I have no doubt that this appetite for him has been developing in your thinking for weeks or even months. Somehow you, you walked on by, but today is your day. This is your moment. God has a way of showing you in moments like this that all of those other pursuits have not provided. Matter of fact, you gave more and came back with less of yourself. Jesus wants to save you today. Do you realize how much you need him, that you're desperate for him, and all you have to do is accept him. He offers you a pardon from your sin. He offers you a life of grace, peace, and power. You'd say, you know, that is what I need. Then would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise it quickly. God bless you. Come on, keep raising them. God bless you. Can we just keep raising your hands, okay? Just in God's presence. Just keep raising your hands. I need to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. I don't want to miss one person. No matter how long you've come to church, I see your hands. You can put them down. Hands just keep going up. This is awesome. You may have been in church. You may be aware of God, have information about God, been in the experience of a church service, but... For whatever reason, it never changed you because the acceptance wasn't there. Today, you said, I'm going to accept him. He's your king. He's everything. Anyone else? Say, I've got to join these that raised their hand. In this atmosphere of his love and grace, I just want to tell you that we have prayed for you. We have put forth an effort to create an atmosphere where it would be conducive for you to raise your hand that being a sign of what's happening in your heart, that you need Jesus. We would never, ever want to embarrass you. So I want you to hear me clearly about this next challenge I'll place before you. I want to pray with you. And and I could pray and have you repeat the prayer after me, but if we could come together, we could join hands, if, if we could meet and talk, Let some people that have joined my team to help me reach out to those who need Jesus will help you understand this decision that you're making and the process that starts today, the relationship. You see, don't miss it. We live in a very religious atmosphere, like in the Bible Belt, and I don't want you to think this is about church attendance Church has its place. I don't want you to think this is about your name being on some church roll book somewhere. I want you to know that this is about a relationship with Jesus. This is about becoming a follower of Jesus. This is you seeing, okay, now I know the bullseye. Now I know the right target. And now I have the right focus. So as we sing about his greatness, we're just going to come back to that course part. How great is our God? Great enough to deal with your past, to deal with every sin, to so thoroughly cleanse you that you are fundamentally not who you used to be, that it opens before you a whole new opportunity, a whole new life. 
For those of you that raised your hand or needed to raise your hand as they sing this, how great is our God. I want you to find the nearest aisle and come and meet me right here. And we're going to pray together. Would you come as they sing? How great Just is begin to come. Sing with me. Many of us, it was in a service like this, and we walked an aisle, came and let someone kind of talk to us and explain some things. Out of the sincerity of your heart, you're just going to talk to Jesus because he is Savior and Lord. And you know why he is, because of the death he died and the fact that he rose from the grave. And you're going to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And as you do, the grace of God, a gift to you, not based on anything you've done or haven't done, just on the merit of Jesus will come to your life and you will be saved. When we pray, you will be saved. And then you open up your life and then these people right over here, these four, they're like coaches and they're going to get right involved with you and help you see the gospel game plan for developing the relationship with Jesus. It's going to be awesome. I'm telling you, your future is beyond anything you could ever imagine. Because that's the grace of God. So let's just close our eyes together. And everybody in this room is going to repeat this prayer because they want to be an encourager to you. And you repeat this prayer as well. So let's pray. Jesus, I come to you today. I need you in my life. I admit that I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Wash my heart clean. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are the Savior. You are now my Savior. Be the leader of my life because from this day forward, I'm yours. Thank you for grace and thank you for a new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
I'm aware that on any given Sunday, I, I'm talking to the sinner, but I'm also talking to the prodigal who needs to come back home. Why don't you come back home? You, you need to rededicate your heart. Your heart is just gripped by grace right now. If you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, I just feel that, give you that opportunity. Just come right now. You say, that's what I need to do. Just come down here with me. Say, I need to rededicate my life. I've lost my passion for God. He's no longer first in my life. And I'm, that today it changes. Today it changes. We celebrate you. We celebrate this lady who's coming. Anyone else, you know immediately if, if this is the Lord talking to you, come. 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 Come, Kelly. Come. Come. Lauren, if you'll come. Someone else, you say, I, I need to come home. Hey, listen to this. You've been gone too long. Please, come home. Come home. Who am I reaching for today? Who am I reaching for? I, I feel the spiritual battle. Don't leave this place without a surrendered heart. If you know I'm talking to you, come. Don't wait another moment, okay? Come on. Come on, I know, I know. I sense it in my heart. I know. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, the spirit of grace, the spirit of God's love. He's drawing He's drawing people. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I need prayer team members to come with these who have responded. Anybody else? Anybody else you need to be here? This is your opportunity. Please come. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Right here. Pastor Chance. I'll pray with this lady right here. Thank you. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you remind us that like a father, your arms are wide open and you run, you run to your sons and daughters who realize that they need to be back in right relationship. You wrap your arms of love around them you bring forgiveness. The past is the past. There's a restoration of these who are your daughters and your sons. Not slaves, not living at a distance, not having to work their way back into the house. No, by grace, they're brought right in to that relationship that they once knew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that. We give you the praise for it. You're doing something rich. You're doing something deep. You're doing something that is lasting. Lord, after this prayer time, there's a whole new direction and a whole new opportunity. Free from the guilt of the past. Free. We won't move forward in probation because that's not the way you're grace works we move forward free justified just as if we had never done it now we move forward in spiritual growth we thank you Jesus 
We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Pastor Barry, let me see one of these books. Let me tell you what is happening here. These team members are giving a book to each one of these people, and it's called Eight Steps to a Brand New Life, and it's the eight steps that the prodigal took. And what they're doing, these team members are writing their name in the book and their phone number because for the next eight days, once a day, they're going to talk to these people about the steps they're taking, about the, the truth they're learning, and we're going to walk this out. It goes on and on, but there's an intense part of it for the next eight days so that we get started strong. And our altar team is going to be trained into this and if you want to join that altar team because now these people become coaches we're going to walk it out and celebrate this new life and do discipleship our goal will be every one of these people will be in small groups as we move forward that's what it's all about and so god is so good he's really blessed today and i think we ought to give god the greatest praise of the morning for saving and restoring praise god Thank you for your patience with me to adjust the flow of the service. I just felt that in my heart. And now we'll, we will continue on by just honoring God with our resources, setting our focus for this whole new season of ministry that is to come. So as they finish up their time of prayer and talking with each other, what I want you to do is look at your bulletin, if you will, because now we need to be all part of an invitation explosion. And what I mean by that is over the next week, would you invite everyone you see to be a part of this new season of ministry? There are three opportunities.